0: OK, game, we're just going to going to start. Oh, not even a little intro bit. OK, cool. So I'm just oh, there's there's a dead girl. Is she dead. She asleep, probably asleep. Cinderella story. I get it. OK, so I guess I'm just going to walk out here and uh, I don't see any enemies on. The, what the uh, what? There's a jump button. We're talking about Zelda Two: the adventure of Link. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The More You Nerd as we continue our section this month on Odd Game Out as we dive into maybe the most interesting thing that I have experienced as a fan of this franchise, Zelda 2 The Adventure
1: of Link. Miles, how you doing, buddy? I'm a little winded Uh, mounting this this particular uh, horse was a a challenge, but I I had a lot of fun doing it. I last week when we're talking about Street Fighter and talking about I was talking about missing that feeling of being haunted by a game of a game getting its claws into me and not letting go. And I experienced that this week with Zelda two. I'm I'm really (laughs) excited to talk about this game, but. Before we do, I do want to wrap with you a little bit about the franchise itself, because this is this is one of the most celebrated franchises of all time, with at least three games that many consider to be the greatest games of all time.
0: And the Legend of Zelda franchise is is no surprise based on anyone who has heard my favorite game of all time. I say my favorite. It's honestly the best game of all time. It's just unequivocally that um the zelda franchise is my favorite franchise in video gaming it has been with me for almost my entire life i adore it i am literally behind me on camera you can see at least four references to legend of zelda stuff (laughs) um i'm i'm such a fan and somehow i never like i was i was honestly i was too young for the nes era I, i started really my gaming life with the game boy and then almost immediately after that into the 16 bit era with the sega genesis and super nintendo i played the original legend of zelda i've beaten it since then but i never had one it was always at a friend's house or at a relative's house or at the y after school that they had a a nintendo um so yeah i'm a huge 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 zelda fan
1: i'm Um, I'm right there with you. Uh, there's the the giant uh, <laughs> Nintendo cartridge encyclopedia behind me. Uh, there is a you can't see it on video, but a four by six foot map of Hyrule. I've got a, a Twilight Princess Link statue. I'm for me. I I was thinking about this this week because I wanted to think about what the Zelda franchise meant to me because this this was the first Zelda game I actually play, played. I remember playing it at my cousin's when before I got a Nintendo as a kid and i i would probably credit the legend of zelda franchise with me being interested in fantasy in general because i i think that's my first exposure that i was cognizant of something being kind of a fantasy story where you have the hero with the sword and the and the shield and you're saving the princess i know it's all archetypical stuff but i think that might have been my first exposure To this kind of storytelling. That's
0: that's very interesting because I I have a very similar take, although not with fantasy, but the the Zelda games when I played them were the first games that I had to. Like it wasn't just a run to one side of the screen like a Mario game was, I had to figure stuff out. There were puzzles. There were things I had to do in later games. Oh, there was a weird block I had to push into a specific thing, and the only way that I knew that is by just sitting with it
1: and figuring it out. Trial and error, and and also a thing at the time was you know buying a game magazine that might have gone into it <laughs> yeah. and. I mean, it is a wild time, but, but the Zelda franchise, and, and this is another reason why I was excited to do this, is because I know you. I know your favorite game of all time is Link's Awakening. I know... Link
0: to the Past, but you know, Link's
1: Awakening is up there. You just told me like two days ago that it was Link's Awakening.
0: No, I said, <laughs> I said that A Link to the Past is the greatest game of all time and my favorite game of all time, but Link's Awakening is my game, which is <laughs> a weird thing to say, I
1: know, but there's a distinction. Yes, it is a very weird thing to say, Drew. <laughs> But so I know that you're also I mean, most most people who play games, and this is a weird generalization to make, but a a huge swath of people who are into video games are typically somewhat tangentially interested in Zelda franchise at some point in their life.
0: I'm sure there are people out there that do not enjoy the Zelda franchise. Sure. I have not met many if any personally. But but this but this is another thing that like again I started in this the the Game Boy era and the 16-bit era. Uh with the with those two games that were tied together creatively. I know a ton of people that started on the Nintendo 64 with Ocarina of Time, which is another fantastic probably top three game of all time. Uh the difference though is that if I look back at things and the way that Zelda games developed i know a lot of people who started with ocarina of time and then went back and played the original went back and played link to the past not as many played links awakening but i don't know anybody
1: really it came up for game boy color
0: yeah but but, but what i'm saying is I, I i don't know anybody that really went back and spent time with zelda 2
1: yeah, well, it's we're gonna get into that in a little bit. It is one that unless you grew up in the NES era, or or played NES first, it's not you didn't really go back to either game. To be perfectly honest, I, I almost never go back to the first Legend of Zelda. If I'm if I'm going back, and I realize this about myself this week is, while I I do hold some love and nostalgia for the eight bit era in terms of loving the style. My retro gaming preference is 16 bits.
0: I 100% agree. It's it's there's something that's a little more rough about all of the 8 bit era games or a lot of the 8 bit era games that just got solved in the decade between that and like in the decade between the (laughs) the original Legend of Zelda and A Link to the Past. All of the complaints that I could have about the gameplay and the way things work and hit boxes and things like that taken care of.
1: My two exceptions to that are Super Mario Bros. 3 okay. and the Mega Man franchise. Sure. The, the, those two things, I think, I'm trying to think of anything else on the NES that, not that I don't think they're, they're good, there's plenty of excellent games on that system, but that I don't prefer some sort of 16-bit version.
0: Tetris, and, but that's a whole other thing.
1: Well, yes. <laughs> that is a whole <laughs> other thing. But it is something I wanted to, wanted to to note, because while I do like some art styles from the NES era and some retro themed things, the 16 bit is the sweet spot for me. And I think as an aesthetic art choice, it it makes for a more interesting palette to work with. Um,
0: I, I agree, but but that, that that is a whole other conversation. No, no, I it was think... just
1: something that 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 came to mind since this is the first time we probably talked about a Nintendo game ever on the show like
0: like an NES game, probably. Yeah, I think this is the first
1: time we've ever done one in in our near 10 years, which is pretty impressive, to be quite honest. So look at us. Well, let's 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 dive
0: into because we have a lot to talk about, because this we do. Zelda two is a very, very, very interesting case in this entire franchise. And there is I think we're going to see with a lot of what we saw with Street Fighter. It maybe hasn't aged as well as its sequels or even the game that came before it. But there is so much of it that was in here that the Zelda franchise would not be the same without.
1: So let's go. We back are definitely going to th- gonna have a, an interesting conversation because I yeah, I, cause I, I have some very, very high opinions of this game, I think.
0: <laughs> so let's let's dive in. Originally, this, this game was planned as a guide in or a spin off uh, of, of Zelda. Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link, which is known as The Legend of Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link everywhere outside of America. Uh, it began when Shigeru Miyamoto, the creator of Zelda, the creator of Mario, sort of Nintendo's, you know, if you know about Nintendo games, you know who Shigeru Miyamoto is. Uh, he decided he wanted to make a side scrolling action game. This title would divide attacking and defense into high and low planes, a.k.a. ducking. (laughs) And Miyamoto (laughs) used this concept as a starting point for the development of the title. Uh, He was heavily involved with the game's development and said of the game, what we wanted to do with The Adventure of Link was really focus on the action, where Zelda is a game where the player learns and grows, and that's how you complete the game. The Adventure of Link, like uh, speaking of the first game, The Adventure of Link, the second game, is all about the action. Obviously, the player can polish their action and become better at it, but we wanted to create this as a separate game.
1: And you can really see the intention there to really streamline a lot of the experience, because a lot of the puzzling is done for you. You you talk to villagers and say, hey, you need this to solve this. There's very little that you have to figure out. There's There's a handful of things, and we'll get to why. That is one of the few things that I think is poorly done in this game. But this is a very streamlined action game, which is really interesting considering the time it came out because you know we kind of laugh, like, oh yeah, ducking, but this is the beginning of, of the industry, you know? Yeah. And it's 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 this this era is so fascinating to me. So uh Tadashi Soyama, who went on to direct Pilot Wings and Super Mario Kart, he was selected as the game's director. And he stated the game really only had a development team of about 10 people. And fondly recalls the game's development. He said, we were experimenting while producing the game, so we didn't have the first game systems in mind while developing it. As for being unique within the series, we we were searching for something new, uh, new ways to play so that you could call it a spinoff. But his his general idea was that they didn't really think so much about making a sequel in so much in the same way of like making the same game as Wait, they did with the the Nintendo version of Mario Two. And which is ex-
0: experimentation is an important thing to talk about here because mm-hmm. this game is full of experiment experimental elements. Some that yeah. work really well, some that don't work as well. It's also notable to say this game came out less than a year after the original game.
1: It's it's wild how fast this came out. But I mean, I know that I know game development was different than we talked about this last week. But it's yeah, it still blows my mind that this team of 10 people made, frankly, a really large game. Yeah, so so
0: the original the original game came out in Japan in February of 86 in America in August of 87. Zelda 2 came out January of 87 and December of 88 in the U.S. So mm-hmm. we're, we're talking uh, both of these games had both already come out in Japan before either were released in America.
1: Yes, and there's there's a reason for that we'll get to in a second. Uh, but I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Miyamoto himself, because his ambition for the game was really hindered by the Famicom and NES's hardware at the time. More so the Famicom disk system than the NES. But he pressed ahead, and instead of trying to adapt more smoothly, he just kind of went whole hog into it. He wanted larger, more detailed enemies. He wanted to alternate between this the overworld, which is similar to the original Legend of Zelda, and this new side scrolling element to make the game feel larger and seamless. And I, the the ambition, especially compared to the first title, you can absolutely feel in this title. I mean, it is really impressive going into this game just seeing how much bigger it feels to me than just kind of going to uh, to the overworld this game feels like like when you go into a castle or a town you you really feel like links traveling somewhere
0: and we should probably say at this point because i know we're going to get into this the way this game works if you have played a top-down zelda game like the original like Link to the Past, Link's Awakening, in any minish cap even, Link is on the screen and you walk around and you see enemies and you go up and you swing a sword at them or you shoot them with an arrow or you do whatever. This game has an overworld more like a Final Fantasy game or another JRPG. You are literally walking along and all of a sudden you see icons pop up of enemies and you can try to avoid them, but they will go after you. And once they, they touch you, you're now in a side-scrolling
1: fight, basically. Where you now Drew, is this the first game to do that? To have the icons? Because typically in Final Fantasy, you know, it the screen just goes and you're into a fight.
0: I cannot answer that question because I don't know enough about NES era JRPGs to tell you that.
1: I mean, there was a lot. The the second Final Fantasy hadn't come out by the time this game released and i think dragon quest 2 had been released that same year so i'm just not very familiar with the dragon quest series i know that the tales of series often had icons on the screen that came towards you in the same way that zelda 2 does but i was i was i wasn't sure if this uh, innovated that idea or not
0: i don't know but but uh, but when you're on that screen you can jump you can attack high you can duck and attack low uh i i wonder if there is some some metroid ness to this and we'll get a little bit into that as we talk about this game as we get further but but that that is what i'm talking about when i say that this is a huge experiment and that and that this is so different than not just the first zelda game but really the next 10 years of Zelda games after this, none of them really work in this same way. And it's very interesting to see. But alongside that, there's another side effect of the way that this game works. Zelda two has become famous. Maybe infamous is more accurate for its difficulty. It is a Mm -hmm. tough game. And that was on purpose. Uh, At the time of its release, developers noted that there was a very limited number of action games on the market at the time, and they wanted to create something that would remain playable for as long as possible. So they purposefully designed a game so that it was not easy to conquer
1: and and, and it
0: would require more planning on the player's part than the adventure games of the time.
1: This I I thought I always thought this was a, a great idea because my memory of this era was you would have a game or two for the summer and that was what you played and you played it over and over and over again and i remember thinking this this is a game that as a kid i would beat my head against the wall trying to figure out and and especially being being a kid <laughs> i i did not get very far i think the best as a child i, I did was the first palace <laughs> and i mean it's it, even that like when you're when you're six it's tough but this makes so much sense because you know when they when you have not not much out you want to make sure that players can have a lot to do and i think this is a really really great idea and and one of the things that i really appreciated going through this game for this week was just how much there was there's a lot i didn't do in this game because i was trying to streamline the experience but there's there's so much to do there's there's a lot of world to explore, and I thought that was very very cool.
0: Yeah, it is certainly interesting, and it's certainly not the only change made between Zelda One and Zelda Two. We're going to get into all of that, but let's yeah, let's talk about so, the
1: release. Yeah, so Zelda Two: The Adventure League was released in Japan on January 14th, 1987, but a massive ROM ROM chip uh, shortage. Delayed the worldwide release, so we wouldn't see the game on U.S. shores until December first of the next year. So, so th- this, this
0: is where I do have to clarify: the fa- there are differences between the Famicom, uh, the the Family Computer, the Japanese version of the Nintendo, and the the Nintendo Entertainment System NES that we got. It is the Famicom disk system.
1: It seems that they were on kind of a floppy variant. I, I really like them. I. <laughs> There's something there, uh, there is something 80s anime about them, specifically like a Gundam anime that (laughs) I really, really like. And I know you have a similar appreciation for that kind of that kind of style.
0: There's an 80s and early 90s Japanese tech that I appreciate. But the but the the Nintendo Entertainment System cartridges that, that we would get in America and throughout a lot of the rest of the world were a little faster. They were a little better. They, they had more space to them. So there were changes to the game that were also made as part of that because then the NES was a slightly better experience than the, the Famicom at the time.
1: Yeah. And at the time of its release, Zelda 2 was a critical and commercial hit, selling 4.38 million copies worldwide, which is, I mean, unlike Street Fighter 2, this was a genuine smash hit. I mean, f- selling four, over 4 million copies in 1988 was massive. That's a huge massive. deal. Huge deal. It was the second highest rated review in Japan's premier gaming periodical, uh, Famitsu, which at the time was known as Famicom Sushin.
0: Which I did received, not know that Famitsu was called that.
1: I I did not either. It's, until like, this it's
0: like if official PlayStation magazine became the de facto Japanese video game publication. Right. It's, <laughs> it's, it's wild. It,
1: I mean it makes sense now having seen it like oh okay I see how they got the name but yeah I I was I was kind of tickled to to discover that but it also received Nintendo Power's award for game of the year. Uh UK's Play magazine claimed the game uh was this combination of unique elements that creates an action RPG experience unlike any other which at the time that was true. This game has a lot gets a lot of credit for its contributions to the action RPG genre. Remember, the RPG genre as a as a video game genre was in its infancy. And this game utilizes RPG elements, which we'll get into when we talk about the game itself. So it's it's really interesting to see how well loved this game was when it came out, because of how innovative it was, how it how it did something very different with a beloved property. And it seemed like Fans, critics, and Nintendo's wallet at the time were very, very happy with this game. The game was certainly a big deal. But as time passed
0: and we got further and further from its release, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link has garnered a much more negative reputation. Now, part of this is, of course, due to its difficult nature uh, part of it is due to its perceived departure for what, what kind of cemented itself as a, quote, Zelda game. Uh, it's not the same kind of game as as the game that came before it or many of the games after it. As we've merged or moved further into the 21st century, the once acclaimed title has found itself on worst sequel lists or franchise misstep lists more and more often. And and honestly, that's why we wanted to to play it for this. It's the one major Zelda game that I have not played or had not played really ever until this. So let's take a look at this major worldwide selling, highly rated multi-million dollar (laughs) or multi-million dollar franchise in this odd game out that is maybe the most forgotten mainstream Zelda game.
1: Yeah, I mean, with the exception of the CDI Zelda games, which we don't count, and most people don't either,
0: and a, and some of the some of the uh, the portable Zelda games, which portable games are always in kind of a weird
1: a weird spot. But even even the portable Zelda games, while they definitely have their naysayers, when they were released, they were generally well received. Sure, I mean, Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks maybe not end up on people's favorite lists, but there were people liking them when they came out, but. Zelda two is, is interesting. Like I said, this is my first Zelda experience. And I remember not knowing what to do as a kid because I borrowed it. And (laughs) one of the, the most important things that I feel like a lot of negative Zelda two reactions stem from is the fact that every one of those players didn't do one very singularly important thing. They didn't read the manual
0: myself included. So I want to tell you what the experience of me starting this game on the Nintendo switch NES online thing. You literally start the game. You fill in your name in a way that is very frustrating because they use start NES games. You start and select way more than, <laughs> probably, <laughs> than most games than most do now. Yeah. Games And you literally start next to a staircase with a lady on a bed. You have no idea what's going on. You have no idea what you're supposed to do. And your choices choices are literally walk to the left or walk to the right. I remember
1: being six years old, seven years old. And spending 30 minutes trying to jump on those stairs. <laughs> trying try to figure out, oh, how do I, how do I get up there? Cuz I remember thinking, oh, Zelda's right there. I got her. Like this game is easy.
0: Now, because I I, I I did little. learn later on that if you let the game just idle at the main screen, it will give you a little blurb about what's going on.
1: And a lot of games did that at the time. Yes. It's, a,
0: it's kind of arcadey that you would leave it like it like in arcades. If you left the game going, there'd be kind of a highlight reel or whatever that happened.
1: But uh, so but a, a lost experience is one of the things that you would do typically on the ride home from getting your Nintendo game is that you would take the manual and read through it. And this sounds probably insane to a lot of modern gamers. But it was actually a very important thing because there was very, very little, you know, oh, press A to jump, press B to attack that none of that. The game expects you to have done your homework. My- this one in particular. So, Miles,
0: yes, I'm going to ask
1: you a question because I ended
0: up because uh, there is a, a group that has gone to the trouble of digitizing a lot of old Nintendo and Super Nintendo manuals, which is very yeah. fantastic.
1: It's without, very wonderful because this looking, manual is excellent.
0: Without looking, how many pages is this manual?
1: I think it's like at least 60.
0: You overguessed, which I was I was thinking you're going to say, oh, like 25 pages. Now, this is including the the memos page, which is always funny in the old uh, con- in the NES and Super NES g- days, uh, including that. And like the warranties and FCC regulations. This is a 50 page manual.
1: That was for close. This game. Forty. No, no, they. they, they Forty
0: five be- of which are important things that tell oh, you, yeah. one, the backstory of the game two. Every mechanic in the game, (laughs) three, all of the controls in the game. So much information is in this book, and it's just not in the game. And that was a thing of the time, but that also makes it that also makes it more difficult. Especially like if you don't know that that's going to be a thing. Imagine going back and not knowing that. Like I started this game without knowing that, and just fumbled my way through. And granted, there are probably plenty of people. Who back in 1987, 88 fumbled their way through this game without reading the manual. I get that.
1: But for the most part, I mean, people when you when I I remember getting the game for for myself and reading the manual, because I think my cousin lost his, because that was also something that a lot of people did was <laughs> lose their manuals. I I remember being really struck by the fact that especially this one, and most most didn't do this much, but this game—the first ten pages of actual content—is the game's story with illustrations. And honestly, it's it's worth it just to look at that because the animation uh, type cells is is very similar to what would go on to be the Zelda cartoon uh, in the '90s. But each each almost every single page has some really cool artwork and it gives you the wild story of zelda 2 which let's dip into so i'm gonna highlight before we get into anything we because this is not in the manual this is on the official like plots uh because i looked it up in the the zelda encyclopedia there this is something that i i sent to you when we first started talking about doing this And I want to read this one very, very small sentence. Six years after the events of The Legend of Zelda, the now 16-year-old Link notices a strange mark on the back of his hand.
0: Link was 10 in the
1: first game, y'all. Link was 10 years old in the first Zelda game. I did not know that. I always know that Link is supposed to be young in in certain iterations of this franchise, especially in, uh, you know ocarina of time i didn't know he was 10 and for some reason that blew my mind (laughs) the 10 year old (laughs) went through
0: all of this in the first
1: Zelda game
0: you know it's funny that you say that because yeah link was 10 in in the in in the first zelda game he was probably 10-ish in ocarina of time for half of that game
1: is he supposed to be 10 I mean, they
0: don't they don't say, but he's like there's child link and adult link. So you got to yeah, expect there's I, at least an eight
1: year gap between those two. I, I kind of thought he was like a a 12 year old kind of ender Harry Potter kind of age. Um, I just used two examples whose authors are not great. Um, uh, Percy Jackson kind of of deal. Um, so it's still. I know it's only 2 years but that, that that blew my mind especially considering how dark this story is. Yeah. So this is yeah, what, yeah, so, go ahead. I'm sorry I sorry I interrupted you.
0: So we will we are going to flash back in time because I'm going to tell the story a little bit out of order. Uh we are going to flash back hundreds of years into Hyrule's hit past where the king of Hyrule at the time has uses the power of the triforce to rule the land. And there we we are aware in the first game of the Triforce of Wisdom. In this game, I believe we also learn about the Triforce of Power. Can't remember because some of that's the cartoon. This game also shows us the third aspect of it, the Triforce of Courage. All of this stuff sounds familiar because it's used in. Dozens of of Legend of Zelda games after this.
1: Yeah, typically in those you get all three pieces. I love that how seriously it took the triforce where this whole game you're just getting one of those pieces.
0: Yeah. Uh which is the same in the first game. You're only getting one of those pieces yeah. you're getting the the wisdom triforce. So
1: I, I dig that.
0: With that said, uh the the king is ready to pass on his 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 r- ruling the kingdom uh to to his son and daughter, but he doesn't think his his son quite has has been He's not the right person to to claim the Triforce. So he passes it on to his daughter, but doesn't tell his son. And his son gets really jealous because he knows there's something up, but he doesn't know. And there's also this wizard. And the wizard cast knows the deal and casts a spell on the young princess Zelda and puts her into a a- a, a coma, a, a, a magical sleep. But of course, in the process also dies. So the, the prince has no way to to bring his sister out of it. Um, I want to point out when we talk about this, this is not the same Zelda from the first game. This is a different Princess Zelda. This is Princess Zelda the first, because the prince, seeing what he's done to his sister, feels so guilty that he makes this decree as he becomes king that every daughter in the royal family of Hyrule will be named Zelda from here on out.
1: It's got to be real awkward at parties.
0: What if you have more than one daughter? Like, this is my daughter Zelda and her sisters Zelda and Zelda. Just a little a little weird is all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, no, I I also I, mean, this, I think this is the first I ever heard of Zelda having a brother
0: yeah i mean the, the i mean again not who the, doesn't get a name <laughs> he doesn't get a name does he uh not not the <laughs> not the not the uh again this the whole the whole deal with this is that link who is is now 16 and he's been helping rebuild the kingdom of hyrule suddenly looks down at his hand and what does he have in his hand a symbol of the triforce what? That's all over all of the 3D Zelda games. The the Triforce, the, the, the worthiness mark on, on the, the hand is all over Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Twilight Princess. It is such a thing. And it mm-hmm. came from this game. And I did not know that until playing this. Uh, actually, I did not know that until reading the manual for this game because none of that is said <laughs> in the <laughs> game <laughs> at all. There you go.
1: (laughs) Uh, And the gist of, of this game is that Ganon isn't back, but all of his acolytes are trying to resurrect him. The only way they can do that is if they spill Link's blood on his ashes.
0: That's some heavy metal stuff right there.
1: Yeah, it is a heavy metal. I mean, this game is actually pretty heavy metal in in a lot of aspects. Especially I'm considering, surprised there isn't some like power the, metal tribute.
0: Especially <laughs> considering the final boss of the game. We'll get to it. So mm. Link has this, has this mark and he goes and talks to Impa. Yes. Impa is actually from the first and second Zelda game. She's never seen on screen. She's only there if you've read the manual. So you don't know that she <laughs> even exists. Uh, and that, and he presses his hand to this sealed door and finds the comatose magic sleeping, Princess Zelda, the first, as well as a scroll that tells him what to do to 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 claim the Triforce of Courage and wake her from her slumber and save the kingdom. And she gives an Impa gives you a bunch of crystals that you're supposed to go and do stuff with uh, in these different palaces across the uh, across the kingdom uh, to to remove the seal off of this maze area and go and defeat the the guardian of the Triforce of Courage and claim it and save the day or become a king there's implications that he's going to become the king as part of this it's a little
1: yeah I, well and this is one thing that the, the timeline of Zelda <laughs> tries to set right where it's like oh these are different iterations of Zelda and Link throughout time which is fine I don't I've never I've never cared the really? Zelda
0: timeline has, has never mattered to me because it's,
1: it's, Honestly, it's, it's the first two fun, I guess, whatever. Yeah. The first two, especially are so wacky in the way their, their stories go that I would, I'd be fine of like that. Ah, we we'll, we, we start with awakening and, um, link to the past. I'm fine with that. <laughs> like <laughs> in terms of the story, <laughs> yeah. these, these are wild, but I, I was very, very into how dark this, this, this concept was. I didn't expect it. And given how the design is in this game, it makes perfect sense. This is a very mature story. And I liked the fact that, you know, we mostly associate this franchise with being fairly family-friendly, fairly geared towards kids. But that often is the mistaken intent by by especially by westerners but because it didn't seem like that was the intent of the creators they were they were making a mature zelda game yeah you say
0: that but also it's not that mature i mean if like for for the
1: time it is
0: sprinkling blood on 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 the the ashes child of ganon (laughs) is well he's 16
1: um is it like still a minor still a minor that sounds
0: dark today (laughs) I don't think that sounded as dark in 1987. Probably sounded darker. I don't remember, know. This is the middle
1: of satanic panic and all that stuff. Sure, like, but also
0: remember that Rambo got a cartoon show. Let's let's this is a, it was different times, different times.
1: I understand that. But just because Rambo got a cartoon show that was very ill advised. I mean, it was I mean, yes, you're right. It was different times, but it, compared to the rest of the series, there was a stark difference in tone. and. I really dug that. In fact, when I while I was playing this, because of the games, frankly, because of the how brutal this game is, and this game is brutal. Like we talked about the difficulty. It is unforgiving. It is unforgiving. And there were parts of this game where I kept thinking, you know, I I see the groundwork for Dark Souls here. <laughs> a little. And, I mean, it in how in how it how punishing it is, when you look when you get a game over. You pop every time you die, you pop back to the the original castle. But when if you get a game over or. You start you start back where you were. Well, well, let's 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 talk about the gameplay loop, because I
0: think that's that's important to discuss right now, because we've talked about how it's not like other Zelda games where you walk around and you slash enemies with a sword. It takes you to this other space. But once you get into the side scrolling space, you have a health bar, not hearts, not. You know, anything like the first game or any subsequent Zelda game, it is a health bar. You also mm-hmm. have a magic bar. This is the first Zelda game with a magic bar. So let's say you have not read the manual, but you played the first Zelda game and you know how that game works. You you attack a slime and you have to duck down to hit it and you figured that out or you jumped on it and jumped on it down with your sword. Oh, but you took a little damage. Oh, but this this thing, it dropped a, a red a red jar on the ground. That must be to reclaim some health because it's red, right? Wrong. There are (laughs) no health pickups in this game. The only way to restore your health in this game is to hope that you find a fairy, to learn a magic healing spell later in the game, or in one of the towns which is a whole other thing that we need to talk about hope because they're not in every town as far as I could tell that you find they are a, I could not find one in the second town uh, in, in oh, there, it's there in Ruto town but uh, yeah. you, you go to there's them. only
1: there's one town in the game that it's not in because the town's deserted
0: interesting well maybe you have to talk to the right person in order for that to even take place
1: which you do there's a specific type of person you have to talk to
0: Ugh. this game is Again, the, 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 and, and, and that person in town will heal you. But uh, mm-hmm. but th- this is, again, another part of the game, which at the time, I'm sure was awesome and cool and made sense. But as someone playing it 30 years later, just seems before you read the manual before I read the, but even after reading the manual, because reading the manual is one thing. Knowing that I can't heal and knowing that I need to be a little more defensive in things because I can't heal as easily. That's one thing. The other thing, though, is every time you go into this town. Gameplay slows down the talking to people in these towns. You walk up to them, you press B and then you wait like four seconds before their text pops on the screen. And if you press B to kind of speed through like as you know, someone playing video games now will do. It just closes the window, mm-hmm. and the, and some of these people only tell you what they're going to tell you one time, and if you don't pause to read it the one time they tell it to you, you done so, fam. No, you, you done can, so. You can hit him again. Well, I learned later on that the person that wouldn't tell me anything was the healing person. So I talked to them, and then they
1: said they told me they. I, I, <laughs> Yes, no, because you're supposed to follow them in their house.
0: <laughs> and she didn't go in her house. So I didn't know what to do. And she so all she would say after that is, I have nothing more to say. I have nothing more to say. I have nothing more to say. It's like, come on. <laughs> but on the flip um, side, on the flip side of this coin. You go into these towns and every town has a wise man and every town typically has a quest that you need to do. So the gameplay loop of other Zelda games, you go into a dungeon, you run across things as part of the dungeon you get a special item or weapon and you then can use that to get through the dungeon and unlock another part of the main world. That's still true here. It's just a little more side questy. You may you may not get something uh, that you need until after you've completed they call them palaces in the American version. They're actually shrines or temples in the Japanese version. But uh so like oh, you ha- may have to go in and Complete the palace, and then the wise man will teach you a spell on how to jump higher or how to block certain magic or how to heal yourself or whatever and and that's an interesting thing it's just one of those things that the way that that works with the limitations of the nes just doesn't work as well as it could that's really the part where I think this game hasn't aged. I think the idea is great I think what they're Doing is with it is fun and interesting. I just think that the execution of it is 1987, and it doesn't work as well in 2021.
1: Well, no, knowing for a fact that they they made this game punishing on purpose so that that people wouldn't complete it in a weekend, it makes sense. But the punishing part for me is if you get a, I think I don't know if it's you die. I think it's if you get like, you know, your little thing runs out, and you pop back to the palace and all of the stuff that you've done is still done. However, all of the progress you've made with your life and magic is gone. Oh, uh, that's another thing about this game. There are
0: experience points and there are lives. <laughs> Zelda, or Link has three lives like Mario does. You can get more. But you don't. But that's that. That's you gotta find them. But you gotta find them. Similarly, health bar increases and magic bar increases. You can find kind of like you find heart containers in later Zelda games, uh, heart pieces and heart containers that they, they will increase your magic, increase your health. But there are experience points. Like you beat a certain number of enemies, and then you can increase your magic power, increase your health, or increase you know other stuff. And it's it's so. So
1: wildly foreign to a Zelda game for me. It's so weird. And it's interesting because it was the second Zelda game. And in the West, we didn't have the tradition that a sequel be followed up by a similar game. You know, two months prior, Mario 2 came out in the States. And Mario 2 in the States, as we famously know, is a reskin Doki Doki Panic, but it's a wildly different experience than the first Mario.
0: And that second Mario game, I played a little bit of that, too, in preparation for we might have covered it on the show. And it is brutally difficult, and I do not want to ever play it again. It's hard.
1: Are you talking about the real Mario 2? or The real Mario 2. The, oh, yeah, the, the real what Mario later became, became the Lost Levels. Yeah, that game is... No, I, we're, we're a family-friendly podcast in terms of language, so I'm not going to go any further, <laughs> uh, in my opinions, of that game. But... but I, this is what we were talking about when we we're talking about how this this is the birth or at least part of the infancy of the action RPG because yeah you 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 can level up your life, your magic and your attack and that honestly makes a difference because the further you go there are enemies that at the beginning of the game give you a lot of trouble specifically the the red knights and um some of the bosses, but when they reappear later in the game, you know, the red knights become almost as easy as beating some of the little blobs later in the game. And and this is where I also see kind of some of where from software might have gotten a lot of their kind of sword and sorcery dungeon and then brutality stuff from. I know, you know, they have other influences, but I see a lot of of demon souls in link's uh, adventure or the adventure lake because this game is brutal it it is sometimes a pixel perfect or or your entire experience is obliterated and while <laughs> i had a lot of fun with this game it is it is unforgiving to the point that in some instances it feels mean
0: Thankfully, there's a rewind on the switch to let you undo bad moves.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, like, that was the thing, is, and that's why I didn't come in here bragging. I beat Zelda 2. Yes, I did beat Zelda 2 for the first time in my life. Did I use the rewind bus- button? Uh, yeah, I'm not fooling anybody. Of course I did. Now, <laughs> I will say, you know, if, you're, if you can't do something, the rewind button's only going to take you so far. And, and there is stuff in this game that is very difficult but i also found and this is something i think that makes the rewind one button uh good for the purposes of like specifically doing this podcast but i did get the experience that i remember having as a kid which is sometimes you would beat your head against the wall and just restart the game over and over and over again we don't do this to many other games now one they're far too long and and mostly not replayable but a lot of times as kids We replayed a lot of these games. This is what we had. And so through the rewind process, I did get that experience in terms of my skills towards the end of the game. I felt that I was much more acclimated to the game's difficulty. And I felt that my personal skill got better playing a game this absolutely unforgiving. (laughs) And I I, Like I said, I I got that bug because I got super into investigating the world. And, And sometimes, and this is a big problem with the game. There are elements of this game where you have items that you absolutely have to have to complete the game. And there is parts of them that are so hidden, the only way you can find them is by literally stumbling across them. Yeah. or having looked it up where they are on the grid because there is no indication by anyone that what you need is where it is even in the villages like sometimes some of these people are helpful where they're like oh you know music will beat the 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 river devil and you know at one of the castles you'll end up getting a flute but sometimes you get i am error
0: which i am error i read about this guy there's yes, a dude
1: I I I learned something today. <laughs> yeah,
0: there is a dude in one of the towns. Uh, I believe it's Ruto Town, uh, which we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, that you talk to him and he just says, "I am Error." And apparently, in Japan, his name was Bugu or something, which was like bug. Uh, and no, but no, it, no,
1: there's Era and Bugu, Bagu. Bagu is in the other town. Oh, but they didn't. They didn't translate Bagu's name from Japanese. So you, you don't have the joke of error and bug. You have air and bagu. <laughs> so the joke isn't isn't implemented. Which is which is a bummer because th- that became such a meme later on. And it turns out it was just the localization just didn't pick up on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, so I want to talk a little bit about this because, again, I talk about how there's stuff in this game. Link like Le- the, the Triforce symbol on Link's hand, all of this. I'm going to read some of the the towns in this game. Ruto Town, Rauru Town, Mito Town, Saria Town. If those names sound familiar, they are all characters from Ocarina of Time.
1: Yeah. This, a, a lot of this stuff appears in future Zelda games.
0: Like they they've re, they've since in in the in the time since have kind of retcon that all of these towns were named after those characters because they were all big characters in 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 the history of Hyrule like Tentari Desert and Parappa Desert have shown up in different different games Death Mountain of course is a huge part of many many Zelda games it's very interesting that all of this stuff is here and that just stuck through for decades now and i had no idea that so much of it was sourced out of this game that i never played
1: Now, I've done a lot of defending for this game in how much it does inform your experience. if If you have the manual and you go through the towns, for the most part, you can kind of navigate Link to where he needs to go. There's still a lot of investigation on the part of the player. But there are a number of bosses that, while... Picking up the spell required to really defeat them is part of the experience to properly getting to that boss, although there were a couple times because I didn't read the manual until going about halfway through, (laughs) and I did one palace before I was supposed to. I switched two palaces, basically, until I got the boss and couldn't beat them.
0: Which which you could do back in the day. That was a thing you could do in Zelda and Zelda 2.
1: Well, because there each palace has two things that you need to do one is an item that you absolutely have to get and the other is once you beat the boss you put the jewel in the statue to complete the tower or complete the palace but each palace has some sort of item whether whether it's the flute or the raft or the boots or the glove the candle all of these things the can the candle is massively important and it still blows my mind that you have to do well luckily it's like one small little thing that you don't really have to pay much attention to. But it blows me um, being away that there's a cave that you go through before getting the candle. Yeah,
0: and you have because to be I did lucky so much enough
1: to try to find where that candle was.
0: You have to be lucky enough to jump over the hidden enemies that you can't see. It's highly annoying.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which is like I think only one of one or two of in, the, in that particular one, so it's it's not that bad, but yeah, there there is some stuff where the game does not necessarily inform you. But and again, I th- I really think that was part of because they had an assumption about the player. I really think that's why that's why, it's why you have a health bar as opposed to hearts because what had health bars, action games, the budding fighting uh franchise. Hearts were a little seemed a little more kid-like and I th- I think that was a purpose decision for this game. And the the dungeons are dark and brooding and you've got uh, skeletons coming at you and weird eyeball monsters uh, later in the game. There's a <laughs> there's a lot of stuff where it's like y- you're basically playing the cover of a meatloaf album. <laughs> and I mean, I just there there is stuff in this game that I think is very, very cool. I think as a Zelda experience, as a historical Zelda experience, this is... Fascinating. And I think the only way to play it is with the Switch. Because if you were trying to play this on the NES Classic, you are in for I mean, hey, if you want to test your metal, well, if you're NES, you're
0: NES Classic has has the rewind function too. Oh, it does? Okay. Yeah. Well, SNES Classic does. I presume that NES Classic does. But it I I I think that given yourself, I, I'll even say if you go to the to the Switch version, there is a special version of Zelda 2. That starts you on the game with maxed out attack, magic and health, which
1: that's so broken
0: (laughs) and and, and gives you and gives you all the spells, which is nice. Which another thing about this game, Miles, do you know what happens when you beat this game and you try to access the uh, save file again? No, you start the game back over. Very beginning of the game, except whatever magic attack power and uh, and 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 uh, health you have carries over it's the closest thing that you have to a new game plus of that era i don't know if that's the first game that ever did that but it would be one of the first i'm sure
1: or i guess until you and this is what i was thinking of i'm 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 imagining the experience of because this game has no save function you have to beat this in one playthrough or keep your nintendo on yeah, I could I was trying to save and I couldn't do it. No, there's no save function.
0: until you beat it. Which yeah. it, and it is it is a a a shorter experience than the original game, which the original Legend of Zelda is the first game with a built-in save function uh, on the Nintendo, which is which Is it is...
1: is it shorter than
0: the first game? Well, cuz the first game has like 10 10 or 8 8 uh eight dungeons, I think. But uh this
1: has I think six but when you tap in with the difficulty, <laughs> it, might, it might end up being the same amount of time spent. Because some, uh, some of these castles or palaces are labyrinths. Yeah. There's a lot of backtracking I had to do. These, these are Metroid-like levels. I could not figure out how to save the game. I would have presumed that the
0: game had a save function because the first one I don't built, think so. I could be wrong about that.
1: So I, I've gone on and on about my experience, Drew. How, how did you find Zelda 2 in just terms of, of the actual gameplay? Because I, I I know that you you were not super, super fond of the game's difficulty, but it, your overall experience with the game itself.
0: I feel like if I had gone back to play this game and it had not been a Zelda game, I would have felt differently about it. Because I do think this game, once you get into the side scrolling, the, the actions... It's quick. It, it it works like you. You can see tells and you know that, oh, I need to duck and Like there's one in, there's one night enemy in dungeons that has a shield that moves up and down. And you just kind of have to know where to attack mm-hmm. it or. And then you learn that you can just jump and j- drop your sword on its head. And it's like, oh, that was easy. <laughs> but but again, it doesn't feel like a Zelda game to me. And that is the thing that I think holds this game back for more people playing it. Unlike the original, like I can play the original Legend of Zelda and it feels like a Zelda game. Obviously, the best game of all time is linked of the Past, which is sort of the Zelda game that everything else after that has been largely based on uh, with, with a few exceptions. But this doesn't feel that way. It feels more like a Metroid game or a Mega Man game. It's side scrolling, it's jumping, it's it's enemy positioning, it's 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 all of the stuff that that is not as important to a Zelda game, at least not in the same ways.
1: So I, I don't know if I completely agree just because, you know, they were redefining what a Zelda game was now and then they redefined right.
0: and then they redefined the, it again. I, and that's how was the Zelda games worked for for 20
1: years. <laughs> Well, I, I was going to say they, they they did go on to do like Link to the Past, which is much more like the first game. And but then, you know, you have Ocarina of Time, which. I think it's its own thing as well. I, I think I think
0: the 3D Zelda games are definitely their own thing. And the 3D Zelda games, because they can borrow more from Zelda 2 in ways that. I don't know that I fully appreciated the idea that you learn new sword techniques from, from, from things in Zelda two, which is a thing that you can do. You find these, these skeleton guys that teach you how to do moves that was revisited in, uh, was it twilight princess that started that or did wind waker has some of that too. Wind waker might add some of that. I think wind waker has
1: some, cause like wind waker is one of my favorites.
0: I know, um, I know twilight princess and skyward sword. you have these, these, uh, uh, people like ancient war ancient heroes you have to defeat and they'll tell you a sword technique like all of that stuff like blocking in specific ways or at specific times that is something that the 3d zelda games do very well because they they can it's 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 uh, an increase in technology uh even something like link's awakening like link to the past you had a shield and the shield would block if you just stood in the right spot link's awakening had an actual shield that you could equip and block with. And you could block things if you held the shield up at the right time. That's the closest thing I can kind of say from a a top down Zelda game that to to what they're doing in in Zelda two. It's again, it's interesting. The 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 way that the sword works and the way that you have actual magic in this game is so weird because I think this is the only game where Link learns legit magic. I feel like Minish Cap might have
1: some magic or just different hats. Um, now that I think about it, there, there's always an element of magic. Sure, in but Zelda it's always games. like an
0: item that Link uses. But as far it's not as, as he's like, casting spells, spells.
1: Yeah. Uh, there might be some sort of... Well, he gets wep- different weapons in later games that you don't need spells. They serve the purpose that spells would. Yeah, And so I think there there is that... Um, And I mean, yeah, in a a franchise that has at least, I would say, at least three games that people consider the best of all time, it's interesting to see such an experimental thing, even even in the impetus of this era, because a lot of the eight-bit era was experimenting, you know laying down formulas for what would become the platform, what would become the RPG, what would become the fighting game, what would become the racing game. You know all this stuff was really you know began in this era. So I find Zelda Two so fascinating because it's so ambitious. and I love that it doesn't rest on the laurels of the first game. I think it's really fascinating that they try to do something completely new and and learning that, it began as a side project. Doesn't surprise me because of how like wholly different it is from the rest of the eight-bit and sixteen-bit error era. But I don't know. I find something about this game so so charming. Now, if you ask me, uh, so is this going to be in your regular rotation of Zelda games to play? No, absolutely no, not. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I beat this game, and I might come back to it every so often, but. Some it's and it's like last week. Sometimes it's really interesting to look at the bones of something, and I think Zelda Two, as a piece of the franchise history, and as something that I think innovated for the franchise in ways that a lot of people don't don't that a lot of people take for granted now. It's something that is worth going back to play in in. Comparison to Street Fighter, which, yes, it lays some of the groundwork, some of the formulas exist. It doesn't do the work. It it couldn't do the work that Street Fighter 2 did. I think Zelda 2 does the work. I think it's absolutely worth playing. But I think the further we get from God's light, (laughs) a.k.a. the Triforce, (laughs) it's a fun phrase. You know, every day we get further from God's light. It's usually when they show something like really, really difficult. Um, so the further and further we get from the Zelda, Zelda two era, the further we get from the NES time, I think the appreciation goes down. It's not like Zelda Link's the past where you, you perfected the formula. It is, you know, a, a pitch perfectly designed game. And you can see everything there because the Super NES was able to do everything that 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 franchise required it to do. Whereas the NES in both games, the ambition was there, the heart was there, the hardware wasn't. And so I think that if if you are a retro gamer, if you are someone who truly loves Zelda, Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link is not a bad game. It, It does not deserve to be on the worst sequels of all time it's worth playing now if you you want to play games that people like oh these are the greatest games of all time or oh you know oh you got to play all the zelda games no you don't if you're going (laughs) to play an old zelda game play link to the past yes or play this remake of link to
0: (laughs) so i i largely agree with what you're saying i think that this game Like Street Fighter, I think the things that they that they bring forward to future games are the stuff that works. They created a magic meter and a magic meter has existed in just about every Zelda game since they Mm -hmm. they have. Ways to increase your your life and your magic meter, which they kind of had with the original game and they, of course, have in, in different ways. You have NPCs that say more than it's a secret to everybody that actually like you have towns full of people that tell you things and give you quests and do things. And that's something that, honestly, the game really didn't fully realize until the, the 3D era, the Nintendo 64 era. There was some of that in Link to the Past. There was actually probably a lot more in Link's Awakening. But this was an experiment that they then took all the stuff that worked and they brought it forward. Then they left all the stuff that didn't work just by the wayside.
1: and, and Which is... It's too bad. I would love to see the Link's the Past team or, or someone in the 16-bit era do something a little bit like Zelda 2. I liked the side-scrolling, I, but I am also a, a Castlevania Metroid Mega Man then fan. Then you
0: need to play Link's Awakening and Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons because those games, I also, love those have, games.
1: also have well, side-scrolling hey, elements. Nintendo. Let me play the Capcom Zelda <laughs> games, please. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, but I but have I, Link's Awakening for Switch.
0: But even but even with that, as well as I think the combat works, because I do think the combat works, works really well in the game and the way that the game works. At the end of the day, because they left that behind, it doesn't feel like a Zelda game to me. It feels like a different game. And that's the thing that will always hold this game back for me, because it just doesn't feel right it doesn't play like other zelda games and i understand that they had to make this step they had to do this experiment to get the games to where they would be later and 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 there's so much dna of zelda 2 in the rest of the franchise not just story-wise but gameplay-wise i get that but it's still it's not bad it's not bad at all. It's pretty good, except for talking to people in talents because that's slow and weird. But I talked about that already. It just feels off.
1: And that's so strange. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it is because, I mean, partially it's, it's from, you know, I remember playing as a kid, but I, I, the whole package The we didn't even talk about, you know, when you get this game, it's a golden cartridge. It's a shiny golden Actually, cartridge. This one was silver. hmm. Now the first one was gold. The original, the original, the original release was gold too. I think uh, they released a silver one later.
0: Oh, I've only ever seen the silver one. So
1: yeah, they they made a gold one. It's just
0: you know you don't see it very often anymore. Anyway, we're, we'll we'll Google that later and find about it off air. <laughs> I mean, I can. I have one, so. That's fine. Um, uh, I, but but again, I only ever saw this over. So, Miles, I, I feel like we have said about everything we're going to say about this game. Final thoughts on Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link.
1: I think Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link needs to be lauded for its ambition. I I love, I absolutely love the idea of taking the overworld from that's, Associated with Zelda games, and mixing it with going into a place and having a different perspective, I think that is very, very cool. I think the game has a an interesting metal story. It's brutally difficult, which can be a huge turnoff. It's frustrating at times, but overall, I think it's a very cool fantasy adventure and. It does have a reputation for having one of the hardest bosses, which is Shadow Link at the end. And there's a very, very, very easy way to take care of him, is you stay where you are, you duck down, and you just keep spamming your sword button, and he will never touch you, and he will die. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get hit by I never rewound because I didn't get hit by him once. <laughs> um So that that that's a that's a that's a fun fun modern trick uh that I guess they just didn't talk about back then because he has this large reputation. I think on the the besties, one of the guys from Polygon talked about like him growing up, and I remember his mom talking about calling Nintendo uh hotline, Nintendo
0: Power helpline, or whatever, it yeah, was called.
1: to figure out how to beat Shadow Link, and yeah, all you gotta do is duck in the corner and just start stabbing. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I thought this was, was honestly a great game. But I also understand the further we get from the, the NES era, why it gets the reputation it does. Because it does require you to kind of simulate the experience of playing a game in 1988 in ways that some people just may not want to do.
0: It is a different experience. That is the biggest thing. It is worth it to go through. It is worth it to read about, to go through the story because you'll see so many things that have impacted games that you have loved since then. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just different. It is, and it feels different. And, and that's all I could really say. It, it It is one of those things where if you had slapped a different name on this game, people I think would still talk about it but it got overshadowed by everything that came after it in a way that is not necessarily fair. Uh, But it's available. You can go out there and easily find a copy and play it. And it's worth, it's worth a shot. It's right there. If you have a Nintendo switch with a Nintendo online, 25 bucks a year, you're, you're good. You're done. There it is rewind function at all go out there tell us what you think about this game because i think people should play it it was i didn't beat it because i wasn't good enough at it uh because i i uh i keep kept forgetting about the rewind function to be quite honest that was a
1: (laughs) (laughs) it i i was um i was very very taken by the experience and it was one that i i had a lot of fun with because I had never gone on that full adventure with Link, and it's one of the only games in the franchise, I think, outside of Skyward Sword that I never completed. And hopefully that'll change when it comes to the Switch later this summer.
0: Yeah, which maybe we'll talk about Zelda more then, too. Uh, So as we move on from Zelda 2 to our next odd game out, Miles, what are we talking about next week?
1: So next week's a little bit different in that it's not quite a main series game, but it was created as a placeholder for one, and that is going to be Sonic Spinball. Sonic
0: Pinball?
1: No, no. Spinball. <sighs>
0: Sonic, uh, Sonic pinball for the Sega Genesis. <laughs> We're jumping into the 16-bit era, out of the, the 8-bit era, uh, to t- talk about this odd little odd little game as part Sonic, part pinball, all attitude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the first one that I think we are doing that is technically a a spinoff. But it was one that I, I remember being so prominent when it came out. And Sonic has had his fair share of spinoffs since then. But this one doesn't... I feel like it has always gotten a little bit of a raw deal. And I, I have very, very fond memories of it. Now, this is a game that you can get uh, pretty easily because almost every, fr- every console on the market right now as well as steam has some sort of sega genesis collection uh it could be called sonic's ultimate genesis collection it could be called just the Sega genesis collection uh the sega classic is out there it it is very very easy to get a hold of a copy of sonic spinball and if you buy one of the sega collections you get like 40 other genesis games which is a great deal
0: if you like genesis games
1: well Yeah, but I mean, if you're if you're if you're wanting to go back and play a random 16-bit Sonic game, then the chances are that you're interested in playing the other ones. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so Drew, do you have any uh, preconceived notions with this one? Did you play this as a kid? I owned this game.
0: I loved this game as a so, kid.
1: So, 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 so did I, I. I'm
0: I'm honestly the one of the things that I remember most about it, despite the fact that I don't specifically remember any songs from it, is I remember loving the music in the game, and I am looking forward to to revisiting some of that and seeing if any of that kind of kicks back in as as i start listening
1: i i do remember and i haven't played this game in a while i remember there being like if you saved yourself from falling into whatever it was below the little pin flippers and you landed on the platform you had like a loud countdown or something before a dragon popped out and ate you
0: (laughs) i remember that
1: so I, I'm I'm excited to to get into this. I, you know, I hope it I hope it lives up. But it's it, it, it technically is going to be it's going to be our only spinoff title of the month. And but it is one that I I have a lot of affinity for, and I don't feel like anyone else really does. And given that it was an early Sonic sp- spinoff, I I I wanted the. The excuse to one talk about Sonic the Hedgehog because I love Sonic the Hedgehog, but also Sonic
0: at the height of his power.
1: Oh yeah, I mean this is this is at the height of of Sonic love, and I think this was the first spinoff. I believe so so,
0: because I don't think that I think the next one was 3D Blast, which was a couple of years later.
1: I think you are right. So yeah, we are gonna we're gonna get into these, and I'm I'm pumped to talk about Sonic. Drew, tell the people where they can find us. You can find
0: us at themoreunerd.com where you can find, of course, this episode and all of our past nearly decades long of episodes. You can find us online at facebook.com slash more nerd. Tweet to us at nerd and of course you can email us nerd at gmail.com. That's nerd at gmail.com. If you would like to buy some merch, we've got that on sale as well. Links are available at com and also at uh remind me miles i'm blanking. it's
1: the more you nerd dot
0: there it is i can we use a
1: different <laughs> one for this show than another show and i'm getting the two confused it's uh, okay uh we've we've had uh the 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 nes logo has been getting some love which i'm i'm happy for yeah. and and any of our designs you can get in multiple types of things my girlfriend just bought herself a uh face mask for work so she will be repping the podcast while she works
0: <laughs> oh well that's great <laughs> so with that said we are going to end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd, nerd. out <sighs>